Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name's Johnny, together with my wife Amy, we lead this church here in the centre of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. If we can help you in any way at all, please feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. Um, just before I start, I've been, um, over the last few weeks, feel like the, the, the Holy Spirit's been having a little bit of fun with me, giving me maybe these, some quite specific words for people. And, um, and if, you, if you haven't heard me say this before, really the reason for this, the reason that I think that God sometimes speaks to us about something particular about someone's life, something perhaps that we wouldn't ever be able to know otherwise, is simply this, like primarily, it's that, the, that, that person, whoever that's for, would know that God knows them, loves them, and wants to speak to them. Does that make sense? Um, so this is going to sound really weird, as they often do, but this morning, um, as I was praying, oh, Lord, help me. I just got, I got a picture of a peeled tomato, someone peeling a tomato. I've never peeled a tomato, folks. Did anyone this morning peel a tomato? Anyone this week? You, you, this morning you peeled a tomato. But you've done that recently, have you? Would you, I don't want to sing, what's your name? Jan, I don't want to single you up, I'm going to single you out, is that all right? John, the, the sense I got, because I was trying to think, why am I thinking about a peeled tomato? But the, the sense I got was that the tomato is quite delicate, right? And you often peel tomatoes so you don't have the skin in stews or Italian dishes stuff. I see Gordon Ramsay do it. And, I, and the, the sense I got was that it's quite a vulnerable place to be in, that once you're taking that skin off, it almost feels like you're kind of a, just a small slip away from bursting the tomato and the juice going everywhere rather than it staying as one thing. And I just felt like the, what the Lord was saying today was calling you, saying that he, you know, he, is the, he, he is the divine tomato peeler <laughs> and that we can trust him that actually when we come to him exactly as we are, when we come to him with the stuff that feels most vulnerable maybe, feels like we're closest to exploding or it feels closest to, most vulnerable to damage, that actually he's really, really kind and he can do that. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just get this sense at the moment that God's calling you to a higher level of vulnerability with something, or I think particularly around a, a situation, a family member, something that's really difficult. But there, there's something about taking that skin off and trusting that as you do that, as you step out in, in God in that way, being really articulate this morning, folks, that he's going to look after you, that actually he's not going to pop that tomato, that his hand is perfectly steady and you can completely trust him. Is that all right? Jan, thank you for letting me pick on you. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not sorry at all. I'm not sorry at all. Thank you, Jesus. Right, so today, folks, we're going to be jumping straight back into Romans 8. And for those of you who are particularly savvy, you'll notice that we've got the same reading that we had last week. And we're not trying to shortchange you. It's because there's a verse in this section that we thought deserved a sermon all of its own. And that is verse 14, that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I don't know about you, but recently, particularly over the last month, and I articulated some of this a few weeks ago when I was preaching, I've sort of become a little bit ruined for anything less than being led by the Spirit of God. As Johnny prayed earlier, Lord, we surrender to you our designs, our plans, all of the things that we think might be a good idea. Essentially, what we're saying here is, Lord, it may be those things, it may not, but more than anything, we want to be led by your Spirit. As I prepare this morning, I'm increasingly uninterested 
in sounding clever or funny. I mean, hopefully those things will be part of, the, you know, be part of it anyway. But, but Lord, I just want to be led by your spirit. Lord, I want your spirit to fill me in such a way that my primary thought in the morning is, Lord, what are you up to and how can I join in? How can I partner with you today? And just as a word of recap, Romans 8, of course, is Paul's answer to what he's talking about in Romans 7. It's almost as if scripture has logic sometimes, sometimes. Because in Romans 7, I'm spitting all over the place. Lord, help me. The light isn't helping. You're really seeing it this morning. Because in Romans 7, Paul is wrestling with the question that all of us wrestle with. Whether you're in here today and you've come with a friend, whether you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years, Paul is wrestling with this key conflict in our lives, which is simply this. How can we so badly want to do the right thing, the good thing, the godly thing, and yet time and time again find ourselves tripping up and failing? Paul puts it like this, doesn't it? This is the Apostle Paul, folks, saying this of himself. For I do not understand my own actions. This is Romans 7, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Can anyone relate to that? Everyone, yeah, come on now. He goes on in verse 18. For I have the desire, oh Lord, I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. Paul is stuck in this conflict that all of us live out for all of our lives, which is how can we so badly want to serve God and live a life that's led by his spirit and yet find ourselves messing up, tripping up, failing time and time again? How can it be that first thing in the morning, I want to love my family more, I want to be more patient with them, and yet I end up angry by 3 p.m.? How is it that I so badly want to speak well of the people around me, but I find myself gossiping again? How, how can it be that I so, so badly want to have a healthy relationship with my sexuality, and yet time and time again, I find myself watching porn? How is that possible that we can have that much willpower and yet fail? Well, Paul says willpower is exactly the problem. That the sin sought for an opposite, sin sought an opportunity in the law to get underneath us, to disguise itself within the law, so that we become trapped in this cycle of trying harder, doing better, and feeling ashamed, empty, denigrated rubbish. So Paul finishes chapter seven, and he says, Well, who can help us in this situation? I can't help myself. Who can help us? And his answer, of course, everyone that's been to Sunday school is. Jesus, that because of the work of Jesus, because of his life, not just his life, because of his crucifixion and his resurrection, we can be set free from this endless cycle of sin and shame and condemnation. Johnny talked about that right at the beginning of this series. That because of Jesus, we, we can receive grace, not God's judgment, as we said earlier in the worship time, but actually we're receiving Jesus, his kindness. God's acceptance, his love. And Paul's invitation in Romans 8 is that rather than leading a life that is just led by this cycle of sin, try harder, do better, we're invited into living a life by the Spirit. A life led by the Spirit of God where our lives become so full of God that there's less and less space for other things to exist. That our whole discipleship journey, if you like, our whole life as Christians 
is to live in such a way that our lives become so full of God that there's less and less room for other things to exist. It's not that practical help doesn't matter. It's not that we don't put things in place. But where are we doing it from? Are we doing it from understanding that we've been accepted, forgiven, freed, called a child by God? Are we doing it from thinking if we just put in a little bit more effort, a bit more willpower, a bit more self-control, then we'll be okay. Paul says we don't owe that way of life anything. We are no longer debtors to the flesh. So the invitation is to be led by the Spirit of God. Verse 14 again. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You know, and just to state the obvious, this really is a verse about identity, isn't it? Do you want to know who the children of God are? Do you want to know what that looks like? Everything that Joanne and Johnny shared last week, what do the children of God look like? Well, they're the people in the city. They're the people in the hospitals. They're the people who are led by the Spirit. What could the city look like if every single Christian, not just here, but around Nottingham, was led, visibly led, by the Spirit of God? Wouldn't that be amazing? So today, I've got three thoughts And I want to spend a little bit of time on the final one. But the three thoughts are simply this. How can we be led by the Spirit of God? And some of this will feel like a bit of a recap of everywhere we've been over the last few weeks. But how can I be led by the Spirit of God? I want to suggest, number one, it's about becoming awake to what's leading our lives. Number two, it's about inviting the presence of God, inviting the Holy Spirit. And number three, it's about responding to the Holy Spirit. And I think particularly that last one that I'll come on to, I think there's something particular that God is doing at the moment with that, with responding to the Spirit. You know, not, it's not just about me getting up here and talking about peeled tomatoes, but there seems to be something across our community where more and more of us are feeling those small prompts, those simple things in the miraculous and the mundane, where God puts an idea in our head, speaks to us about an interaction with a particular person, and everything changes. God meets with people. You know, we should hear the stories we share, by the way, before the service. Every single week, we have stories of what God's doing around the city. And I think pretty soon we're going to be implementing a rule that we're not going to have any, other, any stories more than a week old. Because that's our expectation, that God is meeting with us every single day. He's wanting to do something every single day. Right. Awake. First step in leading a life according to the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is to come awake to what's leading our lives. Who we're led by in life really matters, doesn't it? Who we're led by in life really matters. I remember my parents would tell me this story when I was about six months old, and my brother would have been about two. And they decided one day, my family aren't sort of big, outdoorsy people, but they decided one day when I was really little to go on this walk in this woods. I grew up near Faversham in Kent. And there was these enormous woods, and it was one of these places that had all these different trails. You know, you sort of had the five-kilometer you know, kilometer trail and the 10-1 and the 20, and you could be as rogue as you wanted, right? And we, we got to this woods, and I think my brother being two years old and full of life and beans, my parents sort of thought, oh, it's cute. Why don't we let Doug lead the way? And so my brother in his little dungaree sort of plods off into the woods. My parents are oh, what a joy 
Isn't he so lovely? The other one just cries all the time. And so they follow my brother into the woods. And they've realized pretty quickly that they're getting very, very lost. That's what happens when you follow a two-year-old into a forest. And they're getting more and more lost. And they're trying to discern where they are from the, from the, the small directions and signs around this wood. But they're, but they're realizing that they're in the middle of nowhere and the sun is going down. A six-month-old, me, on my dad's back, and my brother still having the time of his life. <laughs> and the sun's going down, and it's going down, it's getting darker and darker, and dusk hits. And my parents suddenly realize, we are going to be stuck in this wood. And it got so bad that my parents ended up finding a little stoop. Hear this, folks. And we had to stay in the woods that night. I don't remember any of it. It was great. I was probably asleep the whole time. But we stay, literally stayed in this woods that night. The next morning when the, when the light came up, I managed to find our way out and my dad went to work having not slept at all. <laughs> Who we let lead us matters. Who we let lead us really matters. Don't let a two-year-old lead you into a forest, folks, no matter how cute they are. And we know this, don't we? We see it going on in this Tory leadership election. You know, we've got endless, oh, oh, oh. that's all I'm going to say on that. And, <laughs> we've got endless hustings, endless interviews, endless panel shows, endless policy debates, deconstruction of different people's characters. All because we, we, we genuinely believe that who leads us, who leads our country matters. Because we know that we can be led for good and we can be led for ill. We don't have to look that far back in history to see how political leadership can lead us for the worst. Or it can lead a country for the better. But it's not just people. As Amy said a couple of weeks ago, ideas also lead our lives. What ideas lead our lives? Amy talked about setting our minds, not on the flesh, but on the spirit. What lies do we speak over ourselves every day? What are the things that aren't God that we use to justify our days, that we think about going into our days? What ideas lead us? Not just what, which people, because they can lead us for the good or for the bad also. If you want to know what leads your life, ask yourself the question, what takes up the most space in your life? And Amy talked about that from, from her own story. All of us have got that. So first thing is that we come awake to what's leading our life. Everyone with me? You all right? Good. Come on now. We come awake to what's leading our life. And then the second thing is once we recognize what's leading our life, if it's contrary to the Spirit, we instead invite the Spirit. That's point number two. We invite the Spirit. This, by the way, is if you, if you do the practices here at Trinity, the, we do a psalm and, a, and pray in the morning. We do the Lord's Prayer at 12 o'clock every day, and we do the examine just before bedtime. This is what the examine is. This is what I found just before I go to bed is I ask myself, you know, Lord, what's been leading my life today? What emotions, what core thoughts, what, what needs have been leading my life? And then the examine is, Lord, I want you to lead my life. Would you instead come, Holy Spirit, and help me to live differently tomorrow? That's that practice. It all fits in. It all corresponds. We do think about these things, or at least God does. So we invite the Spirit. And this is what Amy was talking about. I remember when I was a new Christian uh, 14 years old, didn't own a Bible, just been bought a Bible, and everyone in my church went to a very charismatic church. Woo! Yes! Flags! Every Sunday! Yah, the six-foot flag with Yahweh on it. And yes, you were on the other side. 
And everyone would come in our church. Everyone would, every single Sunday, people would come up in the church and like, I feel the Lord is saying this. The Lord has spoken. Hear me, O flock. This is what the Lord's saying. And as a new Christian, I thought, well, why am not hearing a thing? And we talk about being led by the Spirit, but so often I thought, well, how can I be led by the Spirit? Because I don't, it doesn't look for me like this. It doesn't look, I'm not hearing whatever these, these, these other people are hearing. And so I got bought a Christian bookshop voucher. Didn't even know they existed until then. And I, the very first Christian book, apart from the Bible, I ever got was this, Hearing God. There it is. This is the same book. Hearing God by Dallas Willard. It's a really good one. I was into Dallas Willard before it's cool, you see. <laughs> but Dallas Willard, and this is, this is kind of the point I want to make with this, is that if you're anything like me, what I want to say today is that you are led by the Spirit. If it doesn't feel that every moment of your life is sensational, you're not seeing people become Christians at every single moment, that's okay. The Spirit is in you. The Spirit is leading you. What was the prophetic word we had earlier? I jotted it down. Yeah, we had that prophetic word in worship. Where you are, as God's word to us, where you are, folks, where you are, disciples, I am. That's God's promise. And if we're seeking to follow in the way of Jesus, as we talked about in this series before this one, if we're seeking to, to live the Jesus way, to seek Jesus daily, and we go out into our lives, we are being led by the Spirit. We are being led by the Spirit. Dallas Willard puts it like this. He's talking about hearing God, but if you substitute that for being led by the Spirit, I think it's exactly the same thing, so... It may seem strange, but being in the will of God is very far removed from just doing what God wants us to do. So far removed, in fact, that we can be solidly in the will of God and be aware that we are without knowing God's preference with regard to various details of our lives. We can be in his will as we do certain things without our knowing that he prefers these actions to certain other possibilities. This makes sense. Hearing God makes sense only in the framework of living in the will of God. This is the bit I really want us to listen to. He uses this analogy. When our children, John and Becky, were small, they were often completely in my will as they played happily in the backyard. Though I had no preference that they should do the particular things they were doing there, or that even they should be in the backyard instead of playing in their rooms or having a snack in the kitchen, generally speaking, we are in God's will whenever we are leading the kind of life he wants for us. And that leaves a lot of room for initiative on our part which is essential. Individual initiatives are central to his will for us. Does that make sense? We, we, you know, we, we are led by the Spirit. We can lead a life according to God's Spirit without feeling that every moment of every day he has a particular preference. He's saying something specifically about what we should do. So I just want to reassure you today that I bang on a lot about prayer on the streets and the beautiful things that are happening out there. But as Christians, we are led by the Spirit as we follow in the way of Jesus the, Greek, um, the Greeks had two words for time. Two words, the, these two words were chronos and kairos. And chronos in, in Greek meant sort of chronological time, time as usual. Whereas kairos had a different meaning. It meant an appointed time, a specific time. A friend of mine, Tim, says it like this. If you imagine that you're on the top of a castle... And you're holding a bow and arrow, and you're watching the world go by, people walking down on the street underneath. That's chronos time. That is just chronological time, life sweeping along, doing its thing. But then, and we're not going to shoot anyone here, okay? But then you pull back 
your arrow and you shoot it off of this building down onto the, into the grass or the pavement or whatever. That's, that's a good picture of Kairos time, that a particular thing intersecting Kronos time, an appointed time. This is how the writers speak about Jesus, that we have Kronos time, the story of Scripture, and then at the appointed time, Kairos time, Jesus came. So, so we are led by the Spirit. Is this making sense? I feel like I'm being really clear, but who knows? So Kronos time is us leading a life according to the Spirit, walking in the way of Jesus, doing our ordinary stuff, living our ordinary lives, and yet the Spirit also works in this Kairos time where he wants to say something specifically into that. And we're going to come on to that in a second. Oh, we're getting all Greek today. I've been spending so long around Johnny. There's another Greek word. So the Greek word for led is ago, which means... Less led, it means more to be taken hold of. It means to take with one. As Johnny said last week, often the prayer we pray when we invite the Spirit isn't, how can I have more of the Holy Spirit, but how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? So being led by the Spirit looks like being awake to what's leading our lives, particularly those things that are contrary to God, those lies that we believe It then looks like inviting the Spirit, recognizing that God's Spirit dwells within us and we can be led by the Spirit. But also it looks like giving the Spirit control, it's the obvious one, control of our lives. You know, my prayers changed recently. If I'm honest, I used to pray to the Holy Spirit like he was kind of some spiritual seasoning to put on life's kebab. (laughs) Holy Spirit, how can I take you with me today? How can I slip you in my pocket and pull you out just when I need you? It's the wrong question, isn't it? It's Holy Spirit, how can you take hold of my life today? What is it that you're already doing and want to do that I can simply join in with? It's Amy's prayer. She said a couple of weeks ago, waking up, hi Adam, waking up every morning and just praying, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. To, to, To pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way, is to pray to be led by the Holy Spirit. Take hold of my life. You know, I've realized recently that even, um, just on a really practical note, if you're anything like me and your key organizational tool is your diary, then uh, I pray through my diary in the morning. I invite the Holy Spirit and I look what I've got going on during the day. I have little sections like this, you see. And I look at the meetings that I've got to go to. I look at the things that are on, the, the, the really joyous things that fill me with life and the things that I'm not looking forward to so much. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill those moments. I tell you, they go completely differently. Since I've been doing this, there are difficult conversations that I face where I honestly thought either they would end with me being hung up on or at least in tears. And God has just shown up in the conversation. It's ended up with prayer. It's ended up with people seeing something of God in these conversations. Isn't that amazing? It does make a difference, inviting the Holy Spirit. So number one, we become awake. We invite the Spirit. And then three, we respond to the Spirit. This is that Kairos time that I was talking about. That yes, we're led by the Spirit of God as we follow Jesus, we go in our ordinary lives, but there are particular moments where God wants to speak specifically to us about someone or something. We've been seeing this recently with prophetic words, words of knowledge. You see, I I sometimes feel like we have this relationship, at at least I can, with the Holy Spirit that we sort of, it's like we invite the Holy Spirit over and then just ignore him. Like it all ends with inviting the Holy Spirit. I've invited the Holy Spirit into my life and now I can just shut off. 
I had a friend, Joel, when I was at school, who used to invite me over to his house and then just go off and do his own thing. And I was like 13 years old, just sat in the front room with his parents. I'm not kidding. That every time. I was like, that can be our relationship with the Spirit, can't it? <laughs> in a way. We invite the Holy Spirit in. We invite the Holy Spirit over for tea. And then just go and do our own thing. Just ignore the Spirit. I do that so often. What is my expectation that not only that the Spirit will come and fill me when I pray that he will, but that the Spirit wants to speak to me throughout my day, those Kairos moments. They are the things, in my experience, that are life-changing. Philippians has this, uh, um, Eugene Peterson, who, who uh, wrote the Message Bible, translates Philippians 2.12 like this. When I was living among you, you lived in, and this is the bit I want to get, responsive obedience. That's what I'm talking about with this responding to the Spirit. How do we live lives in responsive obedience to God? Asking, Lord, what are you saying? Taking a moment before we do the things that we do, not just to try and conjure up some self-help, but to ask God what his agenda might be. Not just what are the good ideas I can bring into this moment, but Lord, what's your will? What do you want to do? Can I tell you, it's the most fun. Because when we do this, I kind of feel like not stepping out in this way, we sort of have everything to lose. And if we're wrong, people are usually like, oh, no, it's not me, mate. You know, particularly with words of knowledge, a couple of, you know, giving someone a word of knowledge, when it lands, the Lord just moves. It's amazing. Even in peeled tomatoes. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Very, you know, it's not often in this country that that will lead us to any real persecution or trouble. We've got a lot to lose by not stepping out in this way. But responding to the Spirit also, also looks like responding to the Spirit in temptation. Not just the big things, but the small stuff. Taking a moment to see what the Spirit wants to say. Do I really want to watch that? We've had a couple of people in our congregation recently who have just, just felt the Lord say, actually, I don't want you to watch that program anymore. This isn't about putting blanket rules that that's not the right thing for everyone, but actually just listening to those nudges of the Spirit. Actually, I don't think that's the healthiest thing for you. It's not doing good things for the way you think and for your mind. Do I really want to talk about that person this way, those small nudges of the Spirit that we can respond to? Is this beach volleyball Instagram page really good for me? <laughs> Projection. <laughs> Oh, should, uh, gosh, I've lost, should I have an extra drink? Should I let my mind wander down that path? God has better. It's not just responding to God in the prayer on the streets moment, but in the moments of temptation. You're not more godly just because you get a word for someone when you're walking out on a Wednesday. Like being, a, being responsive and obedient to the Spirit works across the board. And I, I, I realise time's cracking on, so I'm going to skip this bit. But I, I just want to pick up on one thing. that, I, that I've been wondering whether to share this because it, it feels like maybe this is a thought for me, but I think there's a few people here who may be on the same page as me with this. Sometimes I think if I'm to respond to the Spirit in this way, if I'm really to listen to what the Spirit is calling me to do, the person that he's calling me to be, will I become less myself? Sometimes I worry that if I really fill my life with God, 
that will mean that I actually step away from some things that perhaps have given me identity. That, for me, make me relevant. You know, if I, if I actually stop engaging with that particular show or this particular way of life, am I George anymore? And this is where I think God calls us to trust because I believe, I think this is absolutely true, that there is a fuller, more brilliant, more inspirational, more relevant version of yourself when you're full of God. The, 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 the truest version of yourself is you, full of the Spirit. And so we respond, not just in the moments of stepping out, but in the moments also of temptation. I've got so many stories that I want to share, and I haven't got the time to share them all. So many stories of what God's been doing in this way. But we've got plenty of time to share those. I just want to, just want to share one really simple one, lest you think that maybe I get too caught up in the sensational things. Responding to the Spirit really simply can look like being at a supermarket checkout and rather than rushing off with your shopping, speaking to the person at the checkout. Twice this week I've done that. And both times people have opened up to me about mental illness, that they're struggling with sleep, and that they'd like prayer. Yeah. can look as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to say on that. Right, I'm going to finish. Um, yeah, I want to finish with a little story. Can we stand together? Is that all right? Maybe Joanne and the band want to come back up. I heard this story recently, and um, it sort of seemed to me like a really good example of everything I've been talking about this morning, of being led by the Spirit. So um, a story from a guy called Tony Campolo, who some of you would have heard of. But it just goes like this. So the context of the story is that he's doing a, um, some sort of thing in Hawaii. He gets off the plane, can't sleep in his hotel, and so ends up going out into Honolulu at 3, three o'clock in the morning. Ends up in this diner, and that's where the story picks up. So I end up in this diner, and the fat guy behind the counter asks me, what do you want? I said, I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. So he poured a cup of coffee, wiped his grimy hand on his smudged apron, and then grabbed the donut off the shelf behind him. As I sat there munching on my donut and sipping my coffee at 3.30 a.m. in the morning, the door of the diner suddenly swung open, and to my discomfort, in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place, and they sat on either side of me. Their talk was loud and crude. I felt completely out of place and was just about to make my getaway when I overheard the woman beside me say, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend responded in a nasty tone. So what do you want from me? A birthday party? What do you want? Do you want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday? Come on, said the woman sitting next to me. Why do you have to be so mean? I was just telling you that's all. Why do you have to put me down? I was just telling you it was my birthday. I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. When I overheard that, I made a decision. I sat and waited until the women had left. I called over the guy behind the counter and asked him, do these prostitutes come in here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me, does she come here every night? Yes, he said, that's Agnes. She comes in here every night. Why do you want to know? Because I heard her saying that tomorrow is her birthday and I want to throw her a birthday party. A cute smile slowly crossed the chubby man's cheeks 
And he answered with measured delight. That's great. I like it. That's a great idea. Calling his wife, he did the cooking in the back room. He shouted, hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow is Agnes's birthday. He wants to throw a party for her. His wife came out with a smile over her face. I said, well, look, I'm going to get back here at 2.30 tomorrow morning, decorate the place, and I'll even get a birthday cake. No way, said Harry. The birthday cake's my thing. I'll make it. So at 2.30 a.m. the next morning, I was back at the diner. I picked up some crepe paper, decorations at the store, and I made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated the diner from one end to the other and had that diner looking good. The women who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. (laughs) It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 a.m. on the dot, the door of the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody ready. After, after all, I was the MC of the affair. And when they came in, we all screamed, Happy Birthday! Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so stunned and so shaken. Her mouth fell open, her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her. As she, would, as she was led to sit on one of the stools along the counter, we all sang happy birthday to her. And as we came to the end of our singing with happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to you, her eyes moistened. Then when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she lost control completely and openly cried. Harry gruffly mumbled, blow out the candles, Agnes, come on, blow out the candles. Then, without taking her eyes off it, She slowly and softly said, look, Harry, is it all right if I take this birthday cake home? I'll be back in two minutes. She got off the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, walked slowly towards the door. We all just stood there motionless as she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place, and not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now... It seems more than than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But then it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that God would be good to her and that her life would be changed. When I finished, Harry leaned over the counter and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? In one of those moments when just the right words came to me at the right time, I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 a.m. in the morning. Harry waited a moment, almost sneered and answered, no, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I would join a church like that. Hey, thanks for listening to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. Each week at the end of the podcast, we want to take a few minutes and share some stories about what's happening in our city and what we see God doing. If you're a part of our community, we encourage you to listen in to these last couple minutes. But if you're not a part of our community, we encourage you to just eavesdrop and see what God is doing in our city. Today, I'm joined by Amy Hughes. Hello. Amy leads Trinity Church Nottingham along with her husband, Johnny. And we're also here with two of her children. What are your guys' names? Eden. What's your name? Anna. 
Anna and Eden. And what were you doing this morning? Trinity Talk. Trinity Talks. That's amazing. And Amy, what um, we're talking about what we see God doing in our city. And one of, the, one of the things that we see happening is Trinity Talks and God doing stuff with families. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, Trinity Tots, um, we run every Wednesday morning, 10 to 11.30. And we've really been doing that um, the whole time that we've been here in this building on Mansfield Road. Um, we just sort of wanted to open the doors and invite our local community in. And it has been amazing. And honestly, it's been um, quite slow. We've had a lot of building work. Um, and so it just feels now that we're really gaining momentum and it, and it feels like our... Um, like people from our local community are really starting to come and connect and to make friendships. There's a funny story that um, we were actually thinking that maybe this isn't the need, maybe we need to do something else. Um, and I remember chatting to one of the guys that comes um, every week and I was saying to him, like, you know, what if, you know, maybe we should do something else, maybe we should, um, you know, sort of reach our local community in a different way. And this guy said, this is something that I come to every week. Why wouldn't you just want to do it for me? And that was um, such a challenge to us that we're so desperate, you know, to see the growth of more people, which is wonderful. But it was a real kind of, um, yeah, challenge to, I guess, to be appreciative of the ones that are coming and um, making friendships. And he's still here today and he's amazing. And yeah, like I said, more and more people are coming. It's fun, isn't it, girls? Yeah. We play lots of games, we sing, and it is just starting to get busier and busier and uh, more connections. Um, and I think one of the things, like you said, Bo, it does feel like there is just an openness of um, people um, without faith just wanting to ask questions. You know, what does the church believe about this? You know, um, what are the, you know, sort of just questions of um, spirituality. And, and even at the school gate for me, um, people asking like real questions about why I believe, you know, what's my story? Why do I do all of this um, in my life? Why do I want to lead a church? What do we do? Even the other day, someone came up to my husband and I and um, from church who has no faith and just said, you know, tell me about church. Like, what did you do this week? Um, you know, real intrigue. So it does feel like there is intrigue um, yeah. around us. Yeah. Yeah. And man, since, since the beginning, actually, before we were even meeting as a church on a Sunday morning, we had Sunday school in your front living room, yes. which was Carnage. amazing. Yeah, and honestly, to this day, we still talk about some people. That's their one of their favorite memories at Trinity. Can you can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? And maybe there's a story or a highlight that you have from that time where we were in your front room. Yeah, gosh, that were oh, the amount of paint I had to scrub off my walls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we decided that we would um, start church in our house and have it with. We basically met on a Sunday morning and we had kids and adults together and the kids would do some crazy craft and some singing and um, the guy at the time that was here looking after the kids would do amazing teaching with them and the parents then would just um, sit in the lounge and drink coffee and croissants. And it really was a sweet time, partly because it was such an easy invite, you know, to invite people to the house to enjoy a coffee and croissant and your kids is going to have, you know, a great time. And so I think really we've continued to do that we do these meals across the city um, we have like seven um, sort of open houses where people open their homes and people can come and have dinner whether you have faith or not you know just to sort of find those places of uh, mutual ground and that's really what 
that beginning kids' church time was in our house. Yeah, and and you say from man small beginnings, just yeah. a, just a handful in the front room, yeah. to where it is now, where we have a full kids space. Can you uh, maybe maybe for people who aren't in our community, can you yeah. give them a little glimpse of what happens on Sunday morning and where the kids' ministry is now? Yeah, so we have. Um, what, over 60 kids? Yeah, at least 60, 50, yeah. 60 kids a Sunday. Yeah, amazing. We meet uh, at 10, 30 every Sunday, and we have an incredible kids' time. They've got a massive room now. We've gone from our sort of kitchen to this incredible space with groups that divide into age groups with amazing team that just love the children. And then we as adults come upstairs and we have big church, so we call it big church and, lit and kids church, as opposed to main church and kids church. You know, we're all church together. It really is probably one of the highlights of what's happening here at Trinity. The kids are they're growing incredibly in their understanding of God and who he is and hearing um, God speak. Even just the other day, I had one of our friend's kids um, spoke out over dinner and said God was telling her that he's going to do a new thing. That's so amazing. <laughs> Which is like, you know, so not a kid's language. Um, so it does feel like we're kind of listening in, really, to what the kids are saying and what they're learning. and. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, I want to see more kids in our city know him and yeah, know his goodness. If you live in Nottingham or the surrounding area, we'd love to see you on a Wednesday for Trinity Talks. Uh, 10 to 11.30 every single Wednesday, open during term time. So we'll be open during the summer. We'd love to see you come by, grab a coffee, have the little ones around for a play. Alternatively, if you have a story or something that God is doing, wherever you're from, wherever you're listening from the world, we'd love to hear it. Please send us an email at stories at trinitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.